the free for all roundtable round two on round two today, Deb Hutton is here, former advisor to two Ontario premiers, uh, music teacher Michelle Morrow, and Bob Richardson, senior counsel at National Public Relations. I guess in honor of you, Bob, we should start with a bit of soccer. Um, uh, it, it, you know what? I, I think people have to sort of bifurcate their discussions and their news coverage of the soccer match because it's going to be extraordinary football. But at the same time, it seems like everybody has gone sour on Qatar. Yeah, look... Uh let's let's play soccer and let's get on with it that's sort of the way i look at it this decision to go to qatar was made 10 or 12 years ago yep. uh a number of people don't like the process the weather the spending uh the local rules and customs uh in my personal view i don't blame them but you know there comes a point where either you play or you don't play i think we play we get on with it and then let's put this behind us all right michelle morrow does this feature in in your world at all or are you going to be ignoring soccer or football for the next two weeks oh gosh you know how much i love soccer i totally fangirled when you had christine sinclair on <laughs> um, but i agree there's a bit of a difficulty with this especially if you're watching any of the um Documentaries is an excellent documentary to make you feel very icky about FIFA uh, on Netflix. Um, but Bob's right. The decision has been made. We need to play. If people don't want to, I completely respect that decision. I know there's, um, oh, I believe it's a Danish team that decided not to go, and then they didn't qualify anyway. Um, but they, uh, the decision has made we need to play. But hopefully going forward, we can make sure this doesn't happen again, that they can cut down the direct payments to people that are buying votes. Hopefully FIFA learns from this, but looking at the way FIFA is made and the people who are still running it, I feel this will happen again. And Deb Hunt, I'm looking forward to taking in a few matches and I hope our team does well, but everything about FIFA just confirms to me what I've always, I've had this allergy to anything like an Olympic bid, an expo bid. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of the Pan Am games. I just don't like these kinds of events. Yeah, so I understand what Bob's saying 10, 12 years ago, get on with it. The problem is the president today is so tone deaf on this issue. It's unbelievable. I mean, his speech where he's talking about he feels disabled, he feels gay, like it was just ridiculous. He didn't feel like so, a woman, though, though, ironically enough. Yeah, so I'm outraged. <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, seriously, uh, I, I get it. The The decision was bad 10 years ago. It wasn't any better in Qatar, let's be clear. But the bigger issue for me is that today in 2022, the president of FIFA does not understand. If he had given the speech Bob just did for us, fine, but he didn't. He said some ridiculous things. And it really, yes, I'll watch soccer. It's exciting to have Canada in it. But honest to goodness, it's time for an overhaul of FIFA. Okay, and we're still kind of all frothed up over the Grey Cup, but uh, Bob, what is our first game? Is it on uh, Wednesday for the Cana Canadian soccer team? It's uh, Our first game is on Wednesday. It's against uh, Belgium, who are ranked number two, so it's a very tough game for us. Uh, and then we have uh, two more games um, sort of within the next 10 days. Uh, and then uh, if we uh, get some wins, we go on to the next round. And if we don't, that's it. Uh, Laura Walton is the person who heads up the uh, CUPE Brigade on behalf of education workers, and she said she doesn't like the deal, but she's going to recommend it anyway. And so the biggest news story this morning would be kids in school, no strike, they have a deal. As a mom, I don't like this deal. As a worker, I don't like this deal. As the president of the OSBCU, I understand why this is the deal that's on the table. Um, I think it falls short. I think it's terrible that we live in a world that doesn't see the need to provide services to to kids that they need.
but we will always put workers first. We will always put our students first. And that's why there will not be a strike. That's why we're taking it to the workers. And that's why we hope to have it completed, the ratification vote completed by Sunday, um, a week today. Okay, Deb Hutton, I'll start with you. And I must say, in listening to that clip one more time, I had this idea that it would be like asking somebody what's good on the menu in a restaurant and the server says it's all crap. That's exactly what it is. And so, I, I mean, I think one of the reasons we are where we are is because her workers said, what the heck are you doing? We do not understand why you are continuing to fight when it looks like we've got an acceptable wage deal. So I think that's the only reason my kids are in school this morning. I do worry when that's her sales pitch to her workers that we're going to be in the same place on Sunday that they may not ratify it. I mean, if you heard that as a worker, what would you do? Okay, Michelle Morrow, uh, you must be happy to have kids in school today. Absolutely. Uh, there's still issues that we need to deal with within the school. Um, we didn't have a bus for my youngest today, so that was a bit of a scramble. Um, but I'm very glad they're back in school. I look at that speech that she gave, and I I like that she... I feel like she's being honest if she doesn't agree with it, but then again, she's putting it to her workers and letting them make the decision. There's a lot of people I find who are not just anti-teacher, but they're anti-union, and they say, oh, the union controls everything and the teachers don't get a vote. And I kind of like that the leader is saying, I don't like this deal, but I think it's best for my workers and I'm going to let them vote on it. So then if this does go belly up, people can say the unions aren't controlling everything, the unions aren't forcing people out. Yeah, Bob Richardson, I'd like to think that what we've seen over the last few weeks, I mean, notwithstanding the fact that we went two days without school, but mostly shows that the process works. And I hate the expression, but I really do think that uh, both sides put a little water in their wine. Uh, I was just about to say that. I think, look, we've averted a, we, you know, we've averted a, a strike. Kids are in school. Collective bargaining works. Uh, the notwithstanding clause isn't needed. Um, QP didn't get everything they wanted, but they made some major pro, uh, uh, progress on wages. So, you know, um, is it perfect? Probably not. But uh, it strikes me that major progress has been made here. The union did what they should do uh, on behalf of their workers. Uh, the government uh, did what it had to do to kind of hold the line to a certain extent. And I think we made major progress here. Why don't we declare victory every once in a while? Uh, Michelle Morrow, let me start with you on Elizabeth May reclaiming the leadership of the Green Party, which for me is like, I don't know, inheriting a ride around lawnmower. I mean, who really cares? <laughs> I've never heard that expression, but I like it. I feel like we're going in circles, so maybe we're all on the riding lawnmower together. <laughs> she was the leader. Now she, she wasn't the leader, and now she's the leader again. But she's not really the leader because she has a second in command. But she's really in command. The only one person's in second. I don't get it. I don't think this is going to win anyone over to the party. I know she had talked about bringing over some people from the NDP that were dissatisfied with Jagmeet Singh. But I don't think having a leader that stepped down and now stepped back in is going to win anyone over. Let it if the second in command, I'm blanking on his name, was really strong enough, then let him be the leader and let him give it a try. Why are we always defaulting back to the old things that we used to have and that in this case did not work? Okay, but and Bob Richardson, I think this is the third Green Party leader this year. Yeah, look, everything old is new again, and uh, uh, this is not great. I don't think it's a good look for the Green Party. Uh, I think they look old. I think they look disorganized. I think they look uh, uh, divided. And I don't think they're answering the question, what's the purpose of the Green Party and, and what am I voting for? 
And uh, I, uh, I don't think this is, uh, I just don't think this is a great look for them. And Deb Hutton, I have this visual of them coming to you as a political consultant and saying, what should we do? And you'd probably say everyone should just go home. <laughs> well, I actually have Elizabeth May joining me at one thirty this afternoon no. on News Talk today. Okay. So uh, I am going to ask her how she intends to make the party relevant, because I think no one thinks today that they are. And we have a relatively short window till the next election. So uh, I, I, you know, I'm I'm with everybody on the panel. It doesn't seem like the right move for the party, but I'll have a chance to ask her uh, how she intends to make them relevant in the next short period of time. So a uh, pretty major week ahead as they ramp up to Justin Trudeau testifying on a Friday at the Emergency uh, Act inquiry. Bob Richardson, you've probably prepared somebody for testimony in the past. Is there you know, any advice you would have for these seven cabinet ministers plus the prime minister? Yeah, you've got to be pretty buttoned down at these things. And you, uh, you know, you've got I, I know uh, what a, uh, a friend of mine is one of the people who is uh, who is testifying this week and i know that they were working hard on this all weekend in ottawa i think there's seven ministers three top staffers CSIS. so it's a real it's it's a real surge of of the government's point of view if i can put it that way coming up before the inquiry i think it'll be interesting to see their notes what they the notes that they took real time uh of uh, of what was going on uh but uh, yeah you got to be buttoned down do your ho- homework and don't talk too much. All right. In the last minutes we have, I'd be very curious for your thoughts on the idea of airlines pressuring to have only one pilot flying your plane. Uh, Michelle Morrow, I kind of like the redundancy of two pilots in case something goes terribly wrong. I agree. Um, we haven't, or at least in the article we read, that we hadn't seen that the technology is up to spec for um, allowing only one pilot. They're still training that sort of thing. And you're right. You might be able to get by with one pilot and good good equipment, but at the same time, when things go wrong on a plane, they go wrong fast, like within the span of 60 to 90 seconds, and a plane could be in a tailspin or in a nosedive. Um, we really run the risk of not having two people there to make sure that doesn't happen and keep their passengers alive. Um, but also, there is that fear that if there's no second in command, if there's no uh, co-pilot, then how do we train new pilots to to graduate or become sealed enough or proficient enough to become, I guess, the main pilot now. I guess that's the term we would use. I feel like we are, that is a step that they are perhaps not taking into account because if we have no proper training and we know how much training pilots have to do, I, I worry that in a generation, it might be a very different scene. Yeah, Deb Hutton, I, I had one pilot mention that you don't necessarily have a co-pilot in case the pilot dies. You need two people in the cockpit in case one of them's doing something terribly wrong. Yeah, I, I don't like this. I don't understand it. I don't know how we go through decades of, of modern aviation and have two pilots and then all of a sudden we don't need it anymore. I just don't think technology uh, is enough for me as a passenger way up in the air. Thank you all. Good to have you. Bob Richardson, Michelle Morrow and Deb Hutton just getting toward uh, nine o'clock in time for the news. Today I feel Qatari. Uh, Today I feel Arab. Today I feel uh, gay. Man, I feel like a woman. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.